0: It's August 31st. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got three briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, another coup in Africa to talk about, this time in the country of Gabon, So get out those maps and let's talk about what's going on and why you should care. Second, the U.S. government held a big auction yesterday for major wind projects in the Gulf of Mexico. Well, bad news. Nobody bid, more or less. I'll explain why. Third, price hikes are coming for a staple food product that most of us love and enjoy. I'll tell you what it is and what's going on. Later, we close out the podcast with a slew of listener feedback, critiques mostly, On my coverage over the past couple of days regarding drugs so i i will explain that coverage folks with a little bit more data and tell you a few things that you might not know including about my family's journey in this world of drugs and addiction and recovery but first let's get to our top story of the morning grab your maps folks because we are off to africa to the country of gabon The president of that joint was overthrown yesterday in a military coup with global implications for the price of oil, gas, and batteries. Yeah, batteries, especially for electric vehicles. So this coup, uh, just like others like it recently in Africa, have very important implications for us folks, such as our war on Islamic terror, or the Chinese using these events to build friendships and a naval base, yeah, on the Atlantic Ocean, and that would be bad. But before we get to all that, let's get started in Gabon. So looking at our maps, you will find it by exploring the Gulf of Guinea. That is on the Atlantic Ocean side of things with the Congos to the east. Yeah, there are two of them. Then there's uh, Cameroon and Nigeria up to the north and Angola to the south. Now, I know that one of my listeners today, Brandon in Texas, he worked and lived there for a number of years. And what he will tell you is what I would echo. And that is that the people there are lovely. The countryside is beautiful, tropical, sits on the equator uh, with a gorgeous spot to visit called Invindo National Park with all kinds of rare species. It is also blessed or cursed with natural resources, especially oil, but also a mineral that is called manganese. And that has historically been used in steelmaking and still is. But increasingly, this stuff is making batteries for electric vehicles and solar and wind farms. Well, because of the country's natural resources and tropical location, the French were quite keen to take it over, to colonize it. And they did, starting back in the 1840s and into the 19-teens. In fact, they sent in scouts into the jungles to find tribes and, well, exert greater control, shall we say. But by 1960, Gabon eventually wrestled back its independence, and very quickly, it became a one-party state led by a man with the last name of Bongo. Well, once Mr. Bongo got power, all the way back in 1967, he never gave it up. And why would he? He had loads of oil money, and he used that to, my goodness, enrich himself, his family, his friends, but not the people. The average person in Gabon, both then and now, remained in abject poverty. Well, the only thing that removed Mr. Bongo was death back in 2009. Well, afterwards, his son Ali took over and he promised to reform things to improve the lives of the average person. Now, There is an argument that he did some. But there was always this discontent with him and his family, given their history of abusing the National Treasury and running the country like their own personal fiefdom. Well, just a couple of days ago on August 26th, Mr. Ali Bongo was up for re-election. And according to the people who counted the ballots, well, they announced it well, in fact, he won. But he won by a margin that was far wider than anyone expected, certainly wider than polling expected. And that led the military within a couple of hours to say, no, nah, I don't think so, friend. They declared that the election was null and void and that it would be they who would assume power. Thank you very much. And so now President Ali Bongo is somewhere. Good luck to him. And there is now video of soldiers hoisting up the new leader, calling him the transitional president. And lots of people are dancing in the streets about that, at least for now. Well, in the midst of the rough and tumble of all that yesterday, the fallout has been both political and economic, which is why I'm bringing this news to you. First, global oil prices. They got a little extra spicy yesterday as Gabon is a member of OPEC. And that means that there could be a little bit of, well, new supply constraints in what is already a tight, unpredictable global marketplace. So let's watch our pocketbooks for the next steps in Gabon. Also, we need to talk about that manganese supply, right? The French and the Chinese mining companies that operate in that country, they locked down operations, although they later said that they would continue. But nevertheless, we should expect prices of manganese and all the products that rely on it to get a little bit bouncy until things settle down. But there is a third issue here that we need to talk about and watch out for, and that is this. The coup in Gabon is now the ninth in that broader region in Africa in just the past couple, two, three years. So if we're keeping count, we have also had military coups in the countries of Mali, Burkina Faso, Guinea, Niger, Chad, and Sudan, which if we look at our maps, that means the whole area from the Red Sea and the Indian Ocean with the Sudan there, all the way moving west to the Atlantic, we have military governments running each of those countries. And that has or will or could impact the global economy with critical products in those countries at risk now, including things like gum, Arabic, bauxite, uranium, and as of today, Gabon's oil. We also have the risk of spreading Islamic terror. And I shared that with you back on a uh, report that I gave you on August 2nd, if you missed it. And then there's this, These countries, again, spreading all the way across the African continent, coast to coast, they tend to have much better relations with China and Russia. In fact, these Africans have kicked out France and the United States in some cases, and that has limited our influence and reach. That means that we face the very real prospect of not just Russia, but China stepping into that void. In fact, they are looking to use this newfound network of friends to build things like a naval base on the Atlantic Ocean. They've been trying to do this for years now, and there is a real concern that this is going to happen with these new governments. And I'll tell you, it is a nightmare that the Pentagon does not want to face with Chinese forces not only in the Pacific, but also in the Atlantic. So that, my friends, is why we need to keep a very close eye on Africa this morning with Gabon, just the latest country of interest to all of us, whether we realize that or not. But don't worry. If you can't, I will. I will be watching and I will keep you posted. More to come. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. For subscribers listening at rightreport.substack.com, no ads for you. Instead, your podcast gets delivered to you each day in your email, along with the transcripts with all the hyperlinks to the facts and data that I have presented. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, thank you And enjoy the following messages, remembering that if you don't hear my voice telling you about a product or service, then I don't endorse it. We'll be right back. Folks, if you're looking to diversify your investments, I have something for you to consider. It's called Masterworks. And here's what they do. They purchase modern art by famous creators like Picasso, and then they qualify it with the SEC and sell shares of that art to investors like us. Now eventually they sell that piece of art it's called an exit and then investors like you and me we get a portion of the sale and their record it's pretty darn impressive last month they had exits with returns of 10 to 35%. Now this concept is relatively new but not to the 780,000 members who have joined and invested. Meanwhile, Masterworks has also been written up in Forbes and Financial Times. And I'll tell you, read those articles because I did and I decided that for my long-term investments, Masterworks fits. Now, will that be the case for you? Well, here's how you decide. Go to masterworks.art slash write report and you will get priority access for a personal interview with the staff and they will help you decide if Masterworks fits for you. So again, go to masterworks.art slash right report. That's W-R-I-G-H-T. And as you sign up for that interview, you can also read through their disclosures. Good stuff there at masterworks.art slash CD. So all in all folks, I think that you will be impressed with Masterworks and what they offer to investors. So again, go to masterworks.art slash right report, because at the end of the day, I think you will be glad you did. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with a pivot towards news on the home front. First up, some bad news from my friends in the world of offshore wind power. The U.S. government held a big auction yesterday for wind development projects in the Gulf of Mexico. And, uh, well, nobody bid. Well, to be more accurate, the U.S. Interior Department tried to lease out three different wind blocks in the Gulf, two of which were off the coast of Texas and one off the coast of Louisiana. There were zero bids for the two uh, in Texas, God bless Texas, and one for the uh, the one out of Louisiana. And that one went to a German company for about 1% of the normal offshore wind price. And here's why the U.S. government got that paltry amount. According to a senior wind analyst at the energy intelligence firm Wood Mackenzie, the wind doesn't always blow, and sometimes it blows too much. And that is especially true in the Gulf. And it is also true that the Gulf's seafloor is notoriously soft and silty, raising the price of sinking a wind turbine and, well, keeping them in place. And that actually highlights the main reason that I'm bringing this report to you, the economics. If this Louisiana deal goes through, Local utility companies and residents of that state will be paying upwards of $150 per megawatt hour for this energy. And that is about double the average for these offshore projects, which, of course, stepping back means that offshore wind is around $75 to $100 per megawatt hour, give or take, which is a lot more than, say, nuclear or coal, which sits at $60 to $50 per megawatt hour, respectively. In other words, the point, folks, is that if only market forces were at play here, there would be no offshore wind projects built. That's because this power is just wildly expensive. And yet these projects do get built. Hmm. Well, that's odd. Why? Well, states like New York, Massachusetts, California, and others mandate that their utilities buy this expensive stuff. And then, of course, utilities pass that expense off to you. In other words, state or federal governments are forcing the economics of offshore wind to just work either by subsidizing or mandating this stuff into existence. And that is why, at least, there was only one bid that happened on this Louisiana project. Somebody might be able to make some money off it. It's true, but only because the government makes it happen. And I should also note that this is why analysts say that the upcoming bids for offshore projects in Oregon and Maine, they are expected to move forward with a much bigger price tag. And that is because these liberal states of Oregon and Maine, they have mandates and subsidies that of course will get passed down to you, like it or not. So keep that in mind the next time you hear arguments for or against offshore wind farms, because there's a lot of funny business going on in that business more to come. With that, let's move on to our final report of the morning. We head north from the Gulf of Mexico to Canada for this one, folks, with, well, some bad news. The price of pasta it's going up. So you might want to stock up if pasta is your thing. So here's what's going on, starting with something that you might not know. Canada grows about half of the world's supply of durum wheat, which is heavily used in pasta, it gives it that al dente firmness, Well, unfortunately, the Canadian government has announced that Durham numbers in that country are way down this year, mostly due to drought. In fact, one farmer that was interviewed by Reuters news service said that he normally gets 45 to 50 kernels per head of wheat, but this year only around 10. Meanwhile, the U.S. crop is looking pretty lean this year, too, also because of drought. Same is the case for harvests in Spain, France, and Italy. And that collectively has led to a spike in prices, which will or already has trickled down into the price that you pay for pasta. One bit of modestly good news to tell you about, though, the country of Turkey, they are having a good year for Durham wheat, and so too is Russia, although Moscow is also having a bad year for reasons we all know, so their supply is a little bit less predictable. So bottom line, folks, if you find a good deal on pasta, eh, you might want to grab an extra box or two. And who knows? It could uh, it could be like toilet paper during the pandemic. And you can trade it for a car or a generator you know, or just brag and send out selfies of baking lasagna. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more very important thing before I let you go. We'll be right back. Well, I've got something different to tell you about today, folks. It's a product, but it is endorsed by not only me, but by you, a listener. Craig in Campbelltown, Pennsylvania, wrote me about Wacker Coffee Company. Funny name, great coffee. So here's what Craig had to say about Wacker Coffee. Brian, I had my first cup just a moment ago, and I'm working on my second. This is, hands down, the best coffee I have ever had. You have made an old guy in Campbelltown very happy. This is a superior product, and I know now where I will be buying my coffee from, from this point forward. Craig, yes, sir. I told y'all, this company is run by a former United States Marine, wonderful family man, and I'll tell you, he is a guy with a serious passion for roasting coffee. In fact, his company's motto is, we empower coffee beans to be the very best versions of themselves. Now that is a Marine who is serious about his coffee. So folks, go to WackerCoffeeCo.com, that's W-A-C-K-E-R, and enter the promo code WRITE report for 10% off. Ah, again, folks, go to WackerCoffeeCo.com today and buy this stuff because your taste buds will be so, so happy. Folks, if there were ever a product that you should consider, man, this is it. Jace Medical. They provide an emergency supply of prescriptions and antibiotics. And here's why you should consider them. As listeners know, I have spoken about how China and India control most of our prescription drugs, including antibiotics. Well, what happens if a war should break out over, say, Taiwan or maybe a pandemic again? Well, we all know what happens. Our supplies of critical products get interrupted, and that is not acceptable if your life depends on it. So that is why I am proud to tell you about jasemedical.com, and here's how it works. You fill out a simple form at jasemedical.com, then you speak with a board-certified physician, and within days, your order arrives at your home for emergency use. And I'll tell you, it, this is not for casual use, folks. Talk to your normal doctors for sniffles and such. This is for emergency use with potency lasting for years should the worst ever come. So friends, go to jacemedical.com, enter promo code RIGHT. that is W-R-I-G-H-T, and you will get a discounted order. Again, that is promo code RIGHT at medical.com. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. It's listener feedback today and boy howdy did I get a lot of it over the past couple of days all focused on my reports about drugs legal and illegal. So for instance I got an email from very lovely Allison from somewhere in America. She is 51 and she uses marijuana for her migraines and blood pressure. It she says has changed her life so she asked me very politely to Please keep an open mind. I got another email from Pete in rural Michigan who said that recreational use of weed is no different than beer and a little bit won't hurt you. I also got a couple of, uh, well, very blunt and somewhat heated notes from listeners in response to specifically my criticism of nurses and doctors in Oregon who helped pass that measure 110 That, of course, legalized hard drugs and the data show very clearly has led to horrific rises in overdose deaths and crime. So I wanted to take uh, an opportunity to respond to everybody because I confess to you, I was pretty surprised by the amount of feedback that I got on this issue. In fact, I got a lot more than just these examples I mentioned. So let me start with this. As I said yesterday, I continue to learn and educate myself about the medicinal use of these formerly illegal drugs, especially and namely marijuana. But what I am struck by over and over again is research that was flagged in part by the Harvard Health Publishing folks that suggests that medical marijuana might provide benefits. It's true, but it's from a placebo effect. By the way, the links to that are in the transcript. I would definitely encourage folks to check that out. But I want to mention something on that. The placebo effect, it is real. It is good. And it is probably the most underfunded area of medical research on the planet, but shouldn't be. Now, as folks know, the placebo effect is the mind healing the body after the mind has been tricked into believing that something will work. And so it does. How does it work? We don't know, but it does. And I'll tell you, we should embrace this. Ultimately, this uh, power of suggestion, as we might say although it is so much more complicated than that, as research shows that I captured in the transcript. And that is, from my perspective, why we should be just sending a bunch of money at this entire field of medicine, of harnessing the mind to heal the body with no pills and powders or potions, which is probably the reason that we haven't spent a bunch of money on this field. It's because it's not lucrative or profitable if people can heal themselves. But anyway... The bottom line, folks, is that if, if people like Allison get some modest amounts of, of relief from medical marijuana, you know, it frees you from your pain, well, whether it's science that backs that or placebo effect, well, who cares? Either way, for Pete's sake, do what you want and use it as you will. It's your body, your risk, your choice. Which takes me to my second response to the criticism that I've received, It is true that I am still learning about medical marijuana, but so too are doctors and researchers. And what they're learning is that this stuff is not as benign as drinking a cup of coffee, which is how this is usually sold to us in these ballot initiatives to get it legalized. So case in point, yesterday, the Biden uh, Department of Health and Human Services announced that they were going to ease restrictions on marijuana, categorizing it as less harmful than other drugs. And they said that they were doing this as a step towards wider legalization in this country. But right as these folks at HHS were making this announcement, researchers at Columbia University published a study showing that they found significant levels of metals in the blood and urine of marijuana users, especially lead and cadmium. Now, as listeners might know, lead exposure is incredibly toxic, and so too is cadmium. Both, in fact, are disastrous, especially for young people. It affects their brains and their ability to learn and manage impulses. Okay, so we should probably ask, why is it that marijuana has lots of heavy metals in it, according to this study? Well, as users of this stuff might not know, the marijuana plant is a well-known scavenger of metals as it grows. So yeah, it would make sense that the smokers and consumers of marijuana might be putting that stuff into their bodies, or they might not be. It all depends on the grower and the state, which in turn, of course, regulates things like inorganic cadmium and lead. But the point of this Columbia study was that of the thousands and thousands of survey participants from all around the country, right, these weed users were poisoning their bodies unbeknownst to them. And probably they were assuming that they were getting the good stuff from, you know, from the good growers, which brings me to my third response to the feedback that I got. Folks, I'm going to tell you something about this podcast that I haven't talked to y'all about before. I could be making a lot of money right now had I accepted advertising dollars from the marijuana companies that have asked me to endorse their stuff. Between these guys and gambling companies, I have turned down thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to pay my bills. But I did that because I could not in good conscience tell you to buy this stuff, not knowing what you are putting into your bodies with the very real likelihood that this stuff's gonna harm you, as we just learned from Columbia. And if something were to happen to you or your families in part because I I encourage you to, to buy it and put it in your bodies, I would never forgive myself. I would, if I could use sort of an old biblical analogy, I would feel like Judas taking cash in an act of betrayal. And if you know that story and how it ends, I don't want to be Judas. Plus there is something else that you should know about me on this issue. It's true that I come from a proud family, a hardworking family, a patriotic family, and a family that has been ravaged by addiction whether it be booze or meth or gambling, you name it. Going all the way back to the early 1900s when a cousin sold off our wool for the year and they uh, spent it on booze and women and gambling and nearly left the family broke. But in the many years since, it's gotten worse because the drug stuff, the, the types of drugs, they've gotten harder and deadlier. And it has just absolutely ripped and torn at my family and i'm not even just i'm not going to burden you with those stories but what i know is that i'm not alone in that there are a lot of other families have, that have experienced this too especially rural families over these past 20 or 30 years and i think that is largely because our factories and farms started shutting down the mines too That was mostly because of our government or because of trade organizations shipping away our jobs for cheap labor in China or Mexico. And when that happened, the people in these communities, especially smaller and and middle sized communities, these workers started turning away from each other, turning away from social organizations, started turning away from their houses of worship. And they turned instead to the stuff that gets them high to escape. And that is a legacy that we are dealing with now and we will deal with for decades to come. So that means that all things being equal, I am going to say no to booze and gambling and weed products to support my podcast. Instead, I'm going to have to hold out my tin cup to you all and swallow my pride and ask you to support me by becoming subscribers or donors via Stripe. Because what I'm not going to do is introduce or encourage you and your family to buy the very stuff that has destroyed my family. We collectively have to stand on principle and reclaim our country and our families because nobody else is going to do it for us. So this is my part of that broader contribution. And if I may end on a hopeful note, researchers at the University of Montana, they are working on vaccines to help people break the addiction cycle. These shots help addicts, specifically who are addicted to fentanyl and heroin. So in short, it works by stopping people from feeling high. They get no buzz. So they stop using, or it is much easier for them to stop without the cravings. There is some fascinating science behind this with work coming out of not only Montana, but similar work being done in Texas too. I've uh, included some links to that data uh, in today's transcript. So the bottom line is this. I will not endorse weed, booze, or gambling products to pay for this podcast. Just not going to do it. Second, I can and will suspend my own experiences about drugs and instead explore just the facts and data about their medicinal usage. That is fair and that is appropriate and that is what this podcast is all about. And so that is what I promise to you. But finally, in my own personal life, I am going to stick with the advice that I told you about yesterday. It was from my old teacher, Mr. Gary Bush, when he would tell us on a Friday afternoon, kids, don't abuse your bodies. Although what I would probably offer to my fellow adults is that ultimately, it's your body, your risk, your choice. Folks, if you would like me to answer one of your questions on the podcast it's pretty darn easy to do. Either donate via my Stripe account, which you will find a link to in the show notes. Just make sure you leave your email and I'll be in touch. Otherwise, go to writereport.substack.com, sign up as a paid subscriber, and at the bottom of each day's Substack post, you can leave a comment or ask me a question.